The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air. No, my hide and my fakato maida, he called Nayapurangi tene pana, kiteo Maori, meteo hudi hudi. I'm Leonie Hayden. This is a podcast about being Maori in the modern world. Ehoma, when is it appropriate to appropriate? Welcome to NAIR. As you may have noticed, here at NET, we're not in the habit of jumping on every social media scandal and cultural transgression, uh, because I find social media a bit lacking in terms of being a platform for important conversations, so I do tend to stay out of it, these days anyway. Uh, recently, a conversation was reignited on Instagram and TikTok about a particular Pākehā artist using and abusing toy Māori, hitori Māori, whakaru Māori in his artwork. And I was really interested in talking about that. Um, I've been in this media business for a few years now and I have noticed this topic comes around fairly reliably every couple of years, that is cultural appropriation. And this particular artist, Lester Hall, is often at the centre of it because he continues to make artwork that is incredibly offensive and he remains defiant about it. Uh, but he's by no means the first. People have been taking our things since day dot. Uh, Paul Gauguin popularised the dusky Polynesian maiden trope in the late 1800s with his naked portraits of Vahine Tahiti, which no doubt titillated the art set back in Europe. Um, and obviously it's been open season on our taonga ever since Pākehā first came to our shores. Just in recent years, you've got Jean-Paul Gaultier putting moko kauai on models, uh, a beer brewing company in Tamaki Makoto using the imagery of Hinemuan and Tutanikai in 2016, not to mention some heinous imagery coming out of beer brands from the UK. In 2018, Pākehā life coach Sally Anderson was given moko kauai, the image of which she then used on her business cards prompting huge backlash from Wahine Māori. Uh, in 2019, Air New Zealand tried to trademark Yolda. That same year, musician and actress Juliette Lewis came under fire for wearing pew-pew in a fashion shoot. Now, when you're talking about someone like Lester Hall, um, it can be pretty straightforward. He has portrayed the tupuna ahumai te pairata naked with arrows sticking out of her, Captain Cook wearing mata uh, an all-black in pupu throwing a moko mokai, like a rugby ball, the, the dried, tattooed heads. 
I just threw up in my mouth even saying that sentence out loud. Um, This is offensive. He doesn't care. I have no problem saying that, in my opinion, what he does is racist cultural appropriation. Then you've got Dick Frizzell, who was the originator of the Kiwiana aesthetic by mashing up Māori iconography with New Zealand pop culture. He's hopped himself to our imagery, doesn't give a F about whose mana he tramples on. Uh, He once referred in a magazine article to the Māori who object to his use of Aotonga as hysterical or appropriation. Uh, but then you've got someone like TV presenter-turned-designer Erin Simpson, who was putting kōru and toi Māori on manu and then printing them on all kinds of household products. You know, is that appropriation or is it just a bit weird and lame? Um, all kinds of examples coming at you from all over the place. People worth talking about, Theo Schoon, Gordon Walters, BTS randomly using tuturu or whitiwhakamaua kia tina at the beginning of a song. It gets more complicated when you take Pākehā and commercialisation out of the picture and you're talking about tangata, moana, nui, akiwa, or other Indigenous people using or wearing each other's marks or toy. Um, the topic of cultural appropriation is often sparked by tāmoko, or cultural marks. Um, we now have a name for tattoo that uses toy Māori but is given to tauiwi. We call that kirituhi, not tāmoko. Um, and it's pretty well accepted by most people in Aotearoa now that this is okay. Many kaita from around Wananuya Kiwa. It's really not a huge pool of people, so they know each other or know of each other, and they share their cultural marks with each other. So you have Tangata Māori wearing bear, Tangata Kuki Airani wearing marks from Micronesia, and so on. Stretching to countries like Cambodia and Taiwan, who have ancient tattoo traditions and often come to Aotearoa to whakafanaunga with our kaita. But potentially a Samoan person, knowing that a Māori person has no whakapapa Samoa, is within their rights to say, hey, I'm not okay with you wearing that. On the other hand, the sharing of practices among Moana Nui Akiwa is really important for its revitalisation, um, especially for countries like, say, Tonga, whose tāwaka tattooing practices all but disappeared after the introduction of Christianity. Uh, for Māori, we do have a blueprint for the protection of our taonga, the 2011 Y262 claim, also known as Ko Aotearoa Tene, which uh, Miriana and I are going to get into a little bit later. Basically, this claim offers ways to protect taonga, such as waiata and haka, our use of plants and rongoa, and our matauranga in general. Uh, it's a complicated issue, one that probably can't be summed up by saying that you may not use another culture's practices, stories or language. It is clear to me, however, that dominant cultures, such as Pākehā in Aotearoa, need to exercise extreme caution and competency and spend a lot of time in Wānanga with Māori and also accept that at the end of it, the answer might still be no, you can't use that. At the end of the day, Māori are best placed to tell Māori stories through kōrero or mahitoi, and if that's not your starting point as a tauiwi artist, then it's best to leave it alone. Hei ano, coming up we have a special guest to help us navigate some of these tricky waters. Stay tuned, hei akuanei. Whakapiri mai, whakatata mai, hoki mai ano, ki te hōtaka nei. I'm Leonie Hayden. I'm joined by my co-host, S. Mariana Johnson. <laughs> Tēnā koe hoa. Tēnā koe hoa. Kei te pēhea koe. Ai, nui te ora. Ai, meau hokei. Ka pai. Ahakoa te, te huarere kino, mm. te kaha o te ua ua. Ai. Um, 
Ai, pai, pai ake tonu or pai tonu ahau. Ka pai. Um, bad news for the te kuru stands uh, ko wehe ia ki <laughs> hapani. Um, te kuru is in the beautiful country of Japan for the next two episodes. So you've got uh, ngā mea wahine holding it down today. As us wahine do. Ai, as we do. Yeah. We're just stuck back here keeping te ahika going. Ai, holding the fort. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, um, our topic for today is the evergreen subject of cultural appropriation. Kea um, koe, what what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I mean, as you were saying, you know, working in media, this kopapa comes up at least a few times a year. Right. I remember when you're talking about Erin Simpson. I remember doing a story about how she painted a, a mata ora. Oh, I mean, that's probably been a bit too generous to her, what an attempt at some sort of facial mokou, rem, reminiscent of Matora, uh-huh. on a monkey for a Chinese New Year competition. Um, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, I don't know what she was thinking. She apologised, but it was like, this is part of the issue, right, is I'm going to say Pākehā, but maybe some Tauiwi, I mainly only know of like Pākehā artists doing this. They, they what they call, into, they're, they're trying to, have a conversation uh, be- mm. about race relations between Māori and Pākehā. But it ends up just being a tāhai of Māori symbology and us as our pet, you know, in some cases, like our literal kanohi, our faces, our bodies. Yeah. And then adding some really, you know, like you were saying with Lester Hall, you know, putting a rugby player in a pew-pew, you know. There's no, in- there's no conversation, there's no dialogue between... Pākehā Māori in the, these works of art, which is what really frustrates me. It's like, what are you saying? It's certainly not a certainly not a conversation if you don't listen when Māori talk to you mm. as well about what it is that they find harmful or offensive about your artwork. If those conversations between Māori and Pākehā aren't had beforehand, how can your work claim yeah. to be about the intersection between the That's cultures right. if you're not intersecting with Māori? Um, and, you know, a lot of those artists do sort of end up saying like, you, you know, it's an intent versus outcome. Mm. Um, my intention was to honour these Māori designs because I love them, because I want to share them, da-da-da-da. And then at the heart of that is just this um, way of being which doesn't recognise that you can't always be the centre of the conversation, you know. It's not about you. If you're using toy Māori and Māori imagery, then it's about us. It's not about you, mate. It's always, to me, overlaid on, you know, Lester Hall, let's talk about him because he is the reason we're having this corridor. although as you've, like, done an amazing job of summing up, um, he is just one of many who have ripped off Tao Māori in their artwork. Artwork. I mean, I don't actually find <laughs> his stuff particularly aesthetically pleasing, in my oh God, opinion. Oh, no, it's terrible. It's anu anu. It's ugly. Huya nor that, you know, the whole mashup of Kiwiana with Māori symbologies. Um Oh, yeah, okay. And it's, okay, take for example where um, he's used, he's put moko on James Cook. What, what is the statement he's trying to make there? And, and and it's just overlaid. He's just taken a colonial figure and put Māori, put a mata ora on him. Yeah. How was, what are you saying with that? And, and you're blatantly just taking our taonga and putting it on top. I think that, you know, you're not saying anything new. You haven't created anything, like in terms of integrating our our symbology, our taonga. 
you know, that's what art's supposed to do, right? You're supposed to create something new, not just tahai and slap it on top of your kiwiana <laughs> art. I don't know why the term kiwiana just still makes me laugh because it's just such a terrible word and aesthetic. It's such a cringe aesthetic, eh? I'm like, apologies to anyone that is listening that has uh, Mickey too ticky or whatever on your wall, but do yourself a favour. Take it off your wall and put it in the bin. How? Just do it. Your life will be happier if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tika Hua, uh, coming up after this, we are joined by our special guest. Um, you guys are all going to recognise her and the beautiful work that she makes. Uh, Jess Thompson Carr, a.k.a. The Māori Mermaid, coming up next. Hey, Akuane. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are joined with our very special guest. We have with us today artist Jess Thompson Ka Nonga Puhi Ngarua Nui Ngarua Hineia Heringatoi Hekaituhi Fiti Ano Hoki. Now, my Haide my Jess. Welcome. Kia ora. Thank you so much for having me. Kate Pihia. Kete pai, kete pai, kete ngingi ahau actually, I've been working bit nose to the grindstone lately, so trying yeah. to catch up on all that winter mahi that I've been putting off because oh. I've been trying to hibernate as well, so <laughs> sort of finding that balance and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I get the feeling a lot of our listeners uh, will know exactly who you are, will be following you or may own or possess some of your beautiful artworks. <laughs> I know I do. I'm lucky to have two of Jess's beautiful taonga. Oh, kapai. It means so much to me, Hoa. Thank you. I mean, you're mahi. I mean, what I find incredible about you is you consistently produce incredible mahi, and it's always on point with, you know, you're responding to what the corridor is of the, the time, the week, you know. It's it's mean, you're, whether it be matariki or whatever, your art speaks to that in the most beautiful way. Protect Putiki. Putiki, I, Tika. And it's funny, I wasn't even going to do anything, any drawings for Matariki this year. I was like, I'm going to actually just rest this Matariki. Mm. And as soon as I said that, I was like inspired to draw just for the joy of it. Because last year I was doing commissions for Matariki all Matariki long. And so this time... Actually, really was feeling what this time of the year meant, and oh, it came out okay. naturally, which was awesome. Oh, That's awesome. So you were drawing for you, mm, yeah, which can, can not happen quite a lot because yeah. I end up trying to sort of uh, keep up with commission work and also trying to draw to keep on top of kaupapa as well. I really want to mm. sort of totoko kaupapa through my art. And sometimes that's, um, it's not forced, but it can be like a push and you push yeah. other things to the back to keep yeah. on top of that. So, yeah. 
What I think is also amazing is, you know, you hold those mini raffles all the time. So, like, shout out for <laughs> your, all of um, Māori Mermaid's followers. Um, a reminder that when those mini raffles go up to Tukua Toputia, because those are to support other artists, which I just mm. think is so oh. stunning. You know, you're all about the um, Rangatoi community uh, on top of all the work you're doing. I really um, appreciate my followers and I'm so lucky to have such uh, giving, generous followers and friends who are really willing to participate in those mini raffles. They were super out of the blue, started it because uh, a creative friend was losing a lot of gigs and a lot of jobs because of COVID and the lockdown. And I thought, I've got a platform. Let's, what can I do? Um, let's total call with some community care. And I've got, you know, the resources to give prints and I've started learning how to weave not well but I could at least give like a little like a small kete or something and just small gifts to make it more enticing so that we can support um, a member of the creative community as well as someone gets a prize out of it so yeah it was it's cool I really enjoy doing those and I really want to keep doing them I imagine if all artists had a practice that was that community minded (laughs) (laughs) I do want to know before we get into sort of talking about some of the more kino aspects that we are going to cover today as a sort of an example of how to approach these things with integrity um, what is your process when you decide that you are going to tackle a kaupapa in your artwork? Because um, it is quite often it's um, it's pretty heavy kaupapa. It's often to do with um, a, a response to um, <clears throat> a problem or um, an a act of greed by the government or a private business. Yeah, what's the tikanga um, behind how you approach what you're going to draw? Mm. Well, uh, in the past, I've reached out to, uh, say, with Protect Putiki or when I was drawing more stuff for Ihumata when that was going on, I was reaching out to organisers who were on the ground, basically, there, um, just asking, like, what they would like and if they would be comfortable with me doing something to just sort of spread the word um, during a lot of these, uh, a lot of land occupation protests and uh, protests in general, Mm. uh, people will usually be looking for influences. I say that word, (laughs) you know, there's a lot behind that word, but, um, you know, people with a platform to share what they can. What Mm. can I do? I can draw. So, my tikanga would be reaching out to organisers or they usually have a social media page for the kaupapa um, and asking if they're comfortable with me making some art for it to kōrero about it online and share some information online. Um, and, you, yeah, the past few times it's been, yes, please, because mm. um, word needs to be spread. And the th- it's I love this about Māori artists is that most of us will be jumping into that waka immediately when there's yep. a kaupapa like that, when there's a kaupapa like Protect Pūtiki. Or, like, I know so many other Māori artists who are making incredible mahi to tōtoko and to spread that information. And imagery has such a powerful effect 
um, during protest times. So, yeah, giving what you can there. Yeah, and then uh, in terms of when I start to draw, I am really trying to dig deep into the information, what information there is about the kaupapa, what the history is of the kaupapa, and what is the core of it in terms of what is needed here and what do I see here as an artist because mm. everyone's got their own sort of ideas and their own perspective. Uh, my perspective is usually very whenua environmental-based and I do have like a lot of very feminine imagery. Mm. So I do use that a lot. That's where I'm at right now and it'll yeah. probably change and develop over time. But uh, it's definitely been a learning curve as well, knowing what to depict and what to leave alone. Aye. Yeah, so um, I guess because I didn't grow up as well, I didn't grow up very deep in my Māori tanga with a lot of my culture. I didn't have a lot of tikanga growing up. I am still like baby with all of it and with my practice as well. So I've got so much to learn still. And yeah, it's it's sort of reaching out to people who know more than you mm. most of the times when I do make mahi uh, depicting something for a kaupapa Aye. and learning from other artists and looking at their mahi and how they approach these things. Do you mind sharing an example of something that you sort of learned the hard way? Because I've had similar experiences working in magazines, you know, um, using uh, images that we paid a um, an image sharing a service to use of Tupuna Māori, publishing that in a magazine and then having the whānau say, we didn't give you permission to use that. And then yeah. me at the time thinking, but, you know, someone put it online for me to buy, so surely that's okay. And that was that lesson is that um, just because it's there, mm. you, you still have to ask. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I did something stupid last year. I did something really colonizer vibes last year where I was drawing. It wasn't for um, art depicting like a protest or anything or like art for a protest co-pop or anything. But one thing, actually I did two dumb things last year. I'll tell you one, one thing I did was draw a map of Aotearoa because like a bunch of followers are like, you need to draw a map. That'd be so cool. And I was like, that'd be cool. Yeah, sure. I'll draw a map with all the um, Māori place names and everything. Mm. And I mucked up the South Island. I mucked up Te Waipanamu so bad. I kept getting the wrong names um, when I wrote it out. And I went online and I was like, oh, okay, this looks right. And I just sort of went oh, with it. I... And it was just a great lesson in slow down. Mm. Uh, yeah. do do more research and yeah. just because you have a pretty good grasp on the on um Te Maui doesn't mean you have a good grasp on the other islands because you know different Maori have different perspectives of Aotearoa as well and Aye. yeah there's a whole lot there so yeah. I just sort of ran with it before thinking and I got called out well, and as it should be, I got called out pretty well. Another time was I drew a cartoon, My Sailor Moon fan art, mm -hmm. um, My Sailor Mars, I drew with a bodice that I sort of was taking inspiration from of images I saw on the internet 
for Kakahu and I uh, drew the wrong, I definitely drew the wrong one from uh, an airway that I am not a part of. And mm. I got told off and took it down and apologized and have learned since to never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've done some dumb stuff and I just want to learn and not be dumb again. (laughs) It it hurts more eh, when it's our own people. eh? Those lessons are the hardest. Yeah. And it hurts (laughs) when you feel like you you're doing it to, you know, you've done something to your own people. That's the worst. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is exactly what I'm fighting against or what I'm trying not to do and not to be. And you've just gone and done it. Yeah. So, yeah, those those lessons are so valuable. And, um, yeah, just take them and learn from them and don't do it again. <laughs> is what I've learned. If only some of our non-Māori artists could be more like you. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. And that was the point of me asking you to share that with us and thank you for, for sharing that with us because oh, I'm tempted to say, look, it's not that hard to admit that you did something wrong, listen to people who are calling you in and then learn mm. from it. I say it's not hard. It is actually quite hard, having been on the end of things myself and, mm. and as you've just acknowledged, it is really hard. But more importantly... It's necessary mm. to do that in order to keep the conversation about toy Māori and taonga Māori open and alive and respectful and based in community. Mm. Absolutely. So where we find ourselves is um, this dude, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> Lester Hall, back in oh. the sort of public conversation um, for... Super offensive images where he just takes any aspect of Tao Māori he wants and mashes it up with something else, Captain mm. Cook or an All Black or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then is incredibly defiant and resistant to conversation. He claims he's opening up a conversation between Māori and Pākehā, but as we were discussing earlier, mm. um, conversations have to go two ways. Yeah. yeah. This definitely only goes in one direction. My God, Yeah. And how mm. they're corridor is what I can't get from his work. Mm. Are you trying to say that Māori and Pākehā relations are tumultuous still? Definitely getting that vibe, but that's not new. That's not groundbreaking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, how awful Cardo about old, old Lester? Lester or Gordon Walters or mm. Theo Schoon or <laughs> any of the multitude of Tane Pākehā that just seem to tahai all of our stuff. That's the thing, is that it's not new, is it? They Aye. think they're doing something, and they <laughs> think they're, do- they're they're like, oh, push buttons, ha, ha, ha. They remind me of those old white male comedians who are like, I'm here to push buttons, this is what I do, you're triggered, blah, 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 as though they're <laughs> doing something. But all they're doing is causing harm and not Aye. listening to the people that they say they're trying to... Uh, give something to. I don't know if that's what they're saying, but they act like they're doing you a favour, right? And there's that element of superiority um, in their mahi and the way that Lester Hall has described himself and spoken about his work. And I think these these people use the excuse too often that it's art and art can be anything. Freedom and of expression. Yeah, it's just... 
it's an excuse and they're using it to sever themselves from what harm they have caused. And it's, we're, you know, we've outgrown that as a, oh, not as a country because <laughs> New Zealand hasn't outgrown that, but <laughs> Aotearoa has outgrown. We don't need that. We never needed that. Yeah. But I think we're getting to a point where we can finally leave these artists in the dust mm. and not um, get in and not feel guilty about it, you know, mm. <laughs> not feel guilty for shutting someone's, for stifling someone's creativity. Uh, it's just not new. It's really yeah. old. It's just colonizing through imagery and it adds nothing to the corridor that they claim they're trying to add to. And, yeah, it just causes more harm than, than good, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I find that social media and, and the media itself, um, they love stories about cultural appropriation. Yeah. They love <laughs> to point out someone who's like done something wrong and then point out all of the people that jumped on their case and had a go at them about it. Mm. Um, you are really active on social media, and it's really important that, you know, um, because that's where we spend so much of our time, that there are people like you who are highlighting the important stuff. However, as a platform for conversations that are, that can be complex and quite nuanced, how do we get those conversations off social media and into a space where they actually create um, growth? Or do we not even bother having conversations with these people? Mm. I had uh, some of... Uh, Patai me the other day and Instagram DMs actually asking like how can we you know how would you tackle the problem of appropriation and encouraging young artists to actually appropriate Maori art and imagery in art school and high school NCA like art classes mm. but I think that that might be the answer as well is starting early and starting Aye. in schools and in classrooms teaching kids about uh, what appropriation versus appreciation is and also having more open discussions about what it means to be a titiriti partner in Aotearoa and what the Pākehā identity is. I think it all comes down to this insecurity around identity and Pākehā identity. And the lack of expression of a Pākehā identity, right? Because, yeah, tautoko, that for sure, eh? That's what... A lot of this work that's trying to be, again, probably being too generous, I don't think they, they just profess to be trying to be talking about the intersection between Māori and Pākehā. I don't think they're actually trying to do that at all. But if mm. they were, well, then have some form of expression of what a Pākehā identity is. Because yeah. then, and, and I think no one, I can't see a lot of artists out there really talking, Pākehā artists, trying to dig deep into that, to speak to that. Yeah, I'd love to know about them if there are some because I haven't seen many. Uh, I'm sure there will be some, but they won't be as celebrated or as uh, they won't have as much attention as these gallery artists like Lester Hall and Gordon Walters and and people who are held in such high regard Mm. in the art community. Um, I will give a little mihi because I just remembered that there was one... And I only saw it online, actually missed the exhibition, but Holly Walker. <gasps> Holly Walker. She did a series of photographs of herself, um, Kitty Ko, mm. um, in, in, around surrounded by gorse. And Aye. it was a commentary on gorse as a symbol of colonisation. 
And I thought that was that was the first time I'd, and probably the only time I've ever seen a Pākehā artist mm. try and speak to the Pākehā identity and, and try and depict an art colonisation. Kāpai. I don't know Holly Walker well, but from what I've seen of their mahi, that's mm. ally comrade art, you know? That's, that's real down to the grit of it, mm. um, actually taking responsibility and um, going on that really tough journey of what it is to be on this whenua and not be Māori. Like, yeah. yeah. If you were um, sort of plonked in front of a group of rangatahi and asked to talk to them about what the difference between appreciation and appropriation is, what would you say to them? I would say one of the main things that we need to cover as a group, as a collective, is uh, don't go into learning about someone else's culture with a capitalistic mindset or with an ego of how am I going to make this benefit me financially or with status, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, in my status. Like leave that at the door when you go in um, because that is the biggest, I think that's the biggest reason why people appropriate is to gain something that is financial or that makes them look a type of way to the outside rather than actually trying to learn something to engage with and get a better perspective on another community that they live around or that they are close to or trying to get closer to for the benefit of community. That's the first thing, eh? I think. Yeah, couple. Because when it's when it's not your culture, you you don't need to make money off it you don't need to profit off of it because you will profit in other ways you will end up profiting spiritually and emotionally Mm. and it's yeah I think that's the main thing that is forgotten because most of the time we notice appropriators appropriating because they're selling our taonga they're depicting our tupuna and they're selling them on canvases stuff like that they are trying to show off uh, the things they've learned to make themselves look a type of way that mm-hmm. benefits them socially. Mm-hmm. I hope that made sense. Um, yeah, so I think leave that behind when you go in and then you will end up appreciating because you will be in it for the right reasons. You'll be learning for the right reasons. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. off the top of my head. <laughs> and in your opinion, um because there have been master carvers and weavers who aren't tangata Māori in this country who are very well respected by their Māori peers. But there are people with opinions on that, and that's kei pai. Mm. But I like that you've got the starting point of, okay, we're not trying to um, capitalise on this. But does that mean, in your opinion, that the next following steps still mean that uh, you think it's okay for artists to incorporate some Māori imagery and iconography in the artwork that they're making if they continue to remain in an actual dialogue, respectful, not trying to make a buck? Yeah, I think it it, it does all come down to everything comes down to whakapapa, mm. um, no matter how big or little it is. If you're starting your appreciation journey, if you're starting your artistic journey, and off the bat, you're trying to make some sort of profit off someone else's culture or you're 
uh, jumping onto these tohu and these symbols and this imagery without doing the correct engagement or like mm. trying to engage in other ways. Or how can I make this better? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not going to work out. It's not going <laughs> to work out for you. It's going to reflect <laughs> later on in your journey. And it'll show up later on. But yeah. if you enter, if the whakapapa, you know, at the at the beginning of that whakapapa in your journey, whether it be through creativity or other things, if that reflects going mm. in for those right reasons, the tikanga is there, the engagement is there, then that will reflect later on as well. And mm. who knows where you'll end up. Everyone will have a different opinion on this, but... Oh. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I might change my opinion in a few years. I'm not sure how I'll feel in like five years, but oh, it's where I'm at now with, with that, I think. Mm-hmm. How do you think people can, Tawiwi Apakia, determine what is, say, a Māori symbol? I want to pick on the kōru because um, old mate Gordon Walters has come up a couple of times. And I must admit, I really love his Kōru paintings. I think mm. they're really beautiful. But I was doing, you know, and I saw him at an exhibition and I was sort of thinking, does he understand the whakapapa of the kōru mm. in this work? I think, to be honest, I don't get any sort of, um, like, he's, to me, I don't feel like he's making a particular point. I mm. think it's just a sort of modern abstract interpretation of a kōru that looks aesthetically pleasing, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But um, it is an interesting point, like, is the kōru ours as Māori and therefore should people if they want to go down that route of using that symbology consult or because you know you can go on the ngahere and see a kōru yeah you know at what point do we say oh this this is ours as tangata whenua and 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 you know it's, it's a bit different right to saying mm. a tāneko design that is unique to a particular iwi yeah, that's a good one too because the kōru is just used in everything, isn't it? Mm, like, right. Uh, company logos and uh, blimmin' everything pretty oh. much. It symbolises people use it for the symbol for Aotearoa and New Zealand in general. Oh, I don't know if I know. I think, oh, I don't want to say anything dumb. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want to say, like, I don't want to be too out the gate um, with my corridor because part of me's like, it's always ours, it's always Māori. Like, no, I, you know. I'm kind of with you on that one because I think a lot of the time we're trying to, and, and rightly so, we're trying to overcorrect mm. our now nearly 200 years of having our stuff taken mm. and stolen and denigrated yeah. and da-da-da. And so mm. it, I do, it's not like I find it funny, but when, you know, you get someone who puts a image, like the image of Juliette Lewis that I referenced earlier a couple of years ago, she's wearing a pew-pew and a fashion shoot. <gasps> Oh my um, gosh, she blocked me on Instagram. Oh, okay, so you're involved. Yeah, so you know what I mean. And um, I, at some point I did start to feel a little bit sorry for her and the stylist that put, put her in the pew-pew because underneath you've just got hundreds of messages from Māori making it very clear that this is stupid coloniser behaviour. How dare mm. you take this tongue? And not only that, it's when people get their don't really necessarily even understand what they've done wrong. Then yeah. we, we go in again and we're like, oh, your apology was shit and, you know. <laughs> um, and so we're out here. We're out yeah. here, you know, protecting our stuff. 
Mm. Um, but I feel like sort of like, I don't know, 200 years ago, if someone had sort of popped over and we'd been like, oh, our token park here, friend. Go on, put on a pew-pew. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been it. Though. Yeah, so we it is this overcorrection because people have been stealing our stuff. And I, do, I think this is an aspect that a lot of Pākehā don't understand. Mm. It's not just about the one action of that one person. It's not just about Juliet Lewis and a pew-pew. Yeah. And it's not just about... I mean, there's stuff that is really obviously offensive, mm. like... Lester Hall's, in my opinion. Like, everything Lester Hall has ever done. Agreed. Yeah, and then yeah. there's something like, oh, I, I found this thing, a beautiful object in a vintage store, and I, I put it on, yeah. not knowing what it meant to another culture. Mm. Um, but we do tend to sort of, no matter which version of it is, we go in and we're like, ah, uh-uh, put it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm fine with that, though, is my point. My point is, like... Keep being loud. Keep asking for people to put stuff back and leave us mm. alone. You know? Yes. I don't think it's an overreaction and I don't think it's hysterical. I think it's fine. Agreed, agreed. And the thing about these tohu, which might seem real sim- simple, I suppose, because the kuru is very much people really gravitate to it because it is one of our easier symbols in tohu, one of the easiest to understand as well. And to paint. It's the only thing I ever paint just because it's Māori and it's, <laughs> yes. you know, and it's really relaxing to paint. It's yeah, beautiful. it yeah. is. It's beautiful. It's simple. Um, and I guess the difference is... As Māori, we feel, and I think as Māori artists and Māori creatives, any Māori, we feel it at our core. When we see that imagery, it's we know it in our DNA and we know it in our core. It is not a pretty picture to us. It's everything. Mm, it's life itself. And we have this memory mm. of it that a lot of us won't necessarily be able to explain until later in life or we won't know the words to describe what we feel, but we feel something when we see these symbols and our symbolism. And I don't believe non-Māori will feel that same thing. And for that reason, because a lot of Māori don't have access to these symbols and the knowledge of these symbols and arts or her, I think they should be left alone until there is an even playing field. Mm. At the moment, there's not an even playing field. So, yeah. And it's, 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 I get the not knowing, like we shouldn't be coming for like coming down hard in a, cancelled, never want to talk to you, never want to see you again sort of way on people who genuinely don't know. It's about how those people react when they get taught and how what they choose to do next with Mm. when they get the knowledge about why and what that is that they might have put on their bodies or that they might have painted and sold. Mm. And that's my problem with the artists who get told and they're like, well, it's a conversation starter. Well, <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm just controversial like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah. Ko he put wa mo tēnā, eh? You really did um, express that well when you said we've we've grown out of this. Mm. Like, and, yeah, as you said, not as a country, but we have grown out of that. But then it's kind of funny how, you know, in recent years, Theo Schoon, Gordon Walters, they've come back up again. Mm. And 
Dick Frizzell. Dick Frizzell. <laughs> and it's like, Frizzell. oh, why are we giving them more airtime and yeah. particular places yeah. that show their work will claim that mm. it's because they're trying to now revisit their works through a contemporary lens. I personally mm. don't think it's been done very well. No. I don't think that particular exhibition that I've been to that they did position the artwork of Theo Schoon through yeah. that lens of he was problematic. They said he was problematic on their mm. website, right. um, but none of the way, the positioning of his art, it was presented as is with short descriptions of the work. I don't remember any sort of critical, um, I know there were aspects of this particular exhibition where mm. they had, oh, there was a quartet or by one of the curators. They tried, but in the actual exhibition, there was no reimagining there was no contemporary yeah. lens that they were scrutinized through and he was mm. just taking up space again where a maori artist could have been yeah oh. and you know what's also really hoha about theo schoon is he not only tahai's from maori but one of um, his patients that was under his care at a mental hospital um rolf hadaway mm. so he copied the series of drawings this mental health patient did and and then that was part of this this exhibition Oh, oh my god! Right. That's I'm so like, putter. Oh. It's just a tahai through and through, just everywhere. And the rock drawings. Let's not even get started on. Oh. He wrote his name on. Oh, I. Those rock drawings into Waipounamu in uh, South Canterbury. Yeah. Put his name on them. My bro. Hundreds and hundreds. That's so ick. That's oh. so gross. Get in oh. the moana. So, yeah, I think, I mean, that's the problem with the art world, eh, is like these people are still being platformed oh. and not mm. criticised in how they're, they're being criticised on social media and by us right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but in, in the curation. But not in the physical spaces, not in the galleries and the shops oh. that sell their work and oh. they sell it for ridiculous amounts of money. And what? just give that space to a Māori artist, preferably a young Māori artist who's just putting their stuff out there, just coming out with their work. Give that space to them. Give that putea to them. They deserve it. They do. They, these, you know, these people... <laughs> These dusty old people taking <laughs> things that don't belong to them, rebranding it, putting their names on it, doing hardly any mahi there and making not only a lot of bank out of Ataonga, but a name for themselves that is down in our history books. Mm. And most of our history will be celebrating them as the as a reflection of this country, a lot of people Ugh. really love Dick Frizzell's work and use it to represent that Kiwiana sort of uh, identity. And I just, oh, <laughs> no, no time for it. We've got no time for it. No space for that, you know? <laughs> just over it. Especially with so many amazing, um, you know, Rangatoi Māori in this country mm. growing by the day. One of the things that I did want to touch on, um, which I'm hoping that um, the people listening will look into, um, I'm by no means an expert, but um, we mentioned earlier Y262, um, the Ko Aotearoa TNA uh, claim. Um, now, this was a claim to the Waitangi Tribunal. 2011, um, the report came through essentially... It lays out the blueprint for how we can protect our intellectual property, be that mm. uh, maturanga, rongoa, our artworks, our tamoko practices, our relationship with the taiao, 
uh, all of those good things. The annoying thing, obviously, is none of this is enshrined in law yet, <laughs> or yeah. maybe ever, um, unless something incredibly drastic or radical happens um, sometime mm. soon. Well, the Pody thing about that is that claim was filed in 1991, mm. and that report didn't come out until 2011. Aye. And the government only actually responded to it in 2019. Yeah. And just recently, Associate Minister of Māori Development, Anaya Mahuta, announced $28 million to enact some of the recommendations, Ah, which includes setting up a commission in order to review all the legislation. Because this isn't just about, like it covers, the original claim was about flora and fauna and our taonga. So that infects the Resource Management Act, Te Reo Māori. Then you've got, you know, the appropriation of haka, waiata, um, you know, te mea, te mea, te mea. Mm. Uh, but yeah, one of the it is really sad. I mean, all those claimants that submitted that claim have since passed Aye. because Aww. it took them so long Aye. to respond. What I love about this particular claim is how it really at the heart of it is Tenoranga Teretanga, mm. and it was born of a time where neoliberalism was taking hold. Mm. Where you know, I was listening to a, a, a podcast the other day about Y two six two. Uh, and Moana Jackson was saying that he was at a ethnobotany um, conference with one of the other claimants, and they found out the government had actually given different kumara species um, seeds to Japan. Oh, there was no no consultation. No, no. I mean, you know, and kumara is you know, it's a, yeah. I know. He's a rich fucker papa you know, going all the way back to East Polynesia and absolute blatant disregard for that fucker papa and giving mm. those seeds. Oh, my um, God. So there's so much within this claim that mm. speaks to the protection of our identity, our fucker papa and all that that comes with our ao, you know, mm. kao Māori. Mm. Um, but it's just moving at, like, snail's pace, which is... Telling. Yeah. Well, also, I think because the government find it too complicated, they're like, oh, no, we have to review all this law. <laughs> oh, God, that's so, t- so over it being too complicated. I, you know, I, sometimes I, it's not that complicated. <laughs> What's complicated to you is that you don't want to give up that power and you don't want Māori to have that sovereignty. It's I, actually quite simple. comes down to what they're willing to give up and what they're not willing to give up. Her. And it just keeps coming up. You know, the less they deal with it, the issues don't go away. And mm. one of my favourite kaikōrero on the subject, who's an expert in cultural appropriation and copyright, um, Aroha Moko Mead, and she talks about, you know, I mean, it's not just simply a copyright trademark issue, but mm. that's part of what the claim would deal with. And if we had some ability to, I don't, you know, this is, it's hard because it's like it's Pākehā language trademark copyright, but... Something mm. like that, but Māori. Um, <laughs> kaitiakitanga, mm. enforced in law, enshrined in law, over our taonga, we wouldn't need, we or people like yourself, Jess, who are doing the hard mahi to call, call these people out, you'd have legal mechanisms. Because as she mm. points out, you know, at the moment, with no legislation to support that, mm. it's just Māori, as we always are, mm. doing the mahi saying, that's wrong, don't do that, whakarongo mai. Right. <laughs> Mm. And the onus is, is on Māori to, to to keep banging on these people's doors and saying, stop. <laughs> Te wero, um, as I see it, is actually for Māori to familiarise themselves with Y262 because there are a lot of people who, myself included, who are of the opinion that it is actually a more important, more appropriate blueprint for 
um, nation making than te tiriti. Mm. Te tiriti, in my opinion, has outlived its use. Mm. Y262 is where we should all be looking. But the weirdo is for us to familiarise ourselves with it so that we, can, we, we the people, um, can actually <laughs> make, that, <laughs> make that known to our legislators. Etc. I'm going to look more into it too. Uh, just to close out so that we are ending on a high note, I would like to uh, give it up to you to give us a shout out of um, some of your favourite Rangatoi Māori. Mm. Oh my goodness, there's too many. Oh no, you're going to leave people out and they're going to get ho-high at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, the actual, I'll feel, oh my goodness, who do I even, how do I even? You've got a whole okay, wall we'll, of them right behind you. <gasps> yeah. Okay, we'll go, oh, obviously we'll go like Miriama Grace Smith, Zoe Hall. Yes. Uh, my favourite at the moment is um, on Instagram, they're Ponamu Ponamu. Um, um, I think it's Ponamu Farikawa. Um, let's see, uh, Landless Native, uh, Putere, I think is their name. They do the most beautiful uh, prints. I think it's partly digital, partly painting. Moiwai Marsh is an incredible artist, uh, works with Kokowai a lot. Taylor Tiatarua, Tsekahurere Toa. I hope this is all coming across as not too rambly or panic like <laughs> um, oh, is um, her name mm. um, incredible artist we love her oh so beautiful like the big takahurere more stands on there mm-hmm. <laughs> yep 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 always got her music playing when I'm drawing and like um, some like younger artists as well would be cool to include at the moment I've been watching I've been looking at this artist uh, on Instagram. They're called Make Aotearoa Native Again. Hamuera Hohepahita. Sarah Moana is a big one that I am a huge fan of as well. Hininui Te Hoha. My mate Kahukutia is I'm a huge fan of as well. Is this too many? Should I stop here? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many, there's so many. Um, it's an embarrassment of riches. I love it. We can... We can save you by, if you think of any later, tukua mai, and then we'll post them on our Instagram. Yes. And so yeah. then we can take responsibility if other people are left <laughs> off. So I want to shout them all out. I want to share every name. It's I should really just have a list always with me on my desk just in case, Aye. like for moments like these, because they're all so incredible and they all deserve that platforming and not only our visual artists but our musicians and our poets oh Uh, my god we have the best poets um yeah all very important oh nicole uh titihuya hawkins is uh, my favorite poet at the moment just want to shout out to them and also actually nicole hawkins has a wonderful article about uh appropriation yes yes i on the spin-off can find that. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. I think about that article a lot. So, right. yeah, huge shout out to Nicole. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> um, and of course, you deserve all the shout outs to Ewa Imahikawana Kia Kwe, Moto Tautoko, Ote Hapuri Ringa Toi, Me Nga Tangata Katoa, 
Um, it's been a real honour having you um, with us today, Ihoa. Thank uh, you. You can find uh, Jess at the Māori Mermaid on Instagram. Let's face it, you're already following her, but if you're not, get in there. You can find us, Nete Ao Māori Podcast, on Instagram. Uh, find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. As ever, huge mahi ki Tiahi Butler, our producer with the mostest. We're locking it down every single week. Um, e hoa ma, we'll see you again in two weeks' time. Heya kua nei, ka kiteano. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Takuru Jews and Mediana Johnson. NAIR was produced by Teaihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, Teaihe Butler here, podcast manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.